I screwed up. I had one more commercial. Sorry, Pepsi. Right. I'll give you a make good in that one, I promise. Uh, Pepsi <laughs> folks of uh, New Haven are excellent folks. Um, most of the bottling companies have been bought up by the big conglomerates. Pepsi of New Haven is still locally owned, and they do all sorts of places you wouldn't believe. They have a huge area they cover. They're obviously, Franklin County, um, parts of Warren County, I believe the Lincoln County as well, too. Excellent people, uh, do a lot of stuff for the community, and it's like third or fourth generation that's owned the bottling company. My father-in-law, once upon a time, was vice president for the Pepsi bottling company in Alton, and that one was uh, was eaten up by the big conglomerates, and now it's owned by, I don't know, who knows? I mean, that's a whole thing we get into about talking about companies being bought up by conglomerates. For sure. Are hey, you, I, I lived through that, Brad. Yeah, you you used to work for Monsanto, and now it's now it's Bear. Can, can I ask you a dumb question? Yeah, of course. And did the, did the Bear people, were they blindsided by what happened with all these lawsuits against Roundup? Absolutely not. They knew that was going to happen? The the merger between, and I'm going to be real careful here because uh, I have a good situation. Uh, so I'll be real careful what I say here. The Purchasing Monsanto, the bear went into the, the acquisition with eyes wide open. And I think it will go down. It will be a case at the, at the Harvard Business School and every other business school of um, – of, of an acquisition that had consequences that could have been foreseen and were not, or were not, were not prepared for. That's all I'll say. But, I mean, Monsanto was very clear about the, the litigation challenges that we had as a company about Roundup herbicide, and, and Bayer chose to go forward. And, you know, you can see with Bayer's stock price since the acquisition um, how, how the financial markets have, have chosen to not reward that. But the end game is, so in other words, what you're saying is that Bayer thinks that this is a, a problem that they've inherited, which is going to cause them short-term gain or short-term loss, but there's long-term gain down the road? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no. What, I, what I'm saying is that uh, I think they went in uh, too optimistically. I think, that, I think that Bayer management, and this is just one man's opinion who's not speaking for the company, I think Bayer management really wanted to get the deal done, and, uh, and they got the deal done, and then the bill started coming due in terms of litigation. And now Bayer is paying the price for that. And also, here's my theory, Brad. Here's a spoiler. Uh, and I have no knowledge of anything that's going on at the company that I would possibly speak to. If I'm Bayer right now and I have uh, a pharmaceutical company, Bayer has three pieces. There's, there's pharma, there's consumer stuff that you would buy at the supermarket, and there's agriculture. If I'm Bayer and I see all these losses in the agriculture area, I think, you know what? Maybe I want to spin off the agriculture arm, make it its own standalone company, and then when I go to Wall Street, if I'm a beer executive, all I have to do is talk about my successful pharma products and my happy aspirin and my happy consumer products, and I don't have to worry about all that silly herbicide stuff. You think that'll happen? I think that that will – you know what? I don't know, Brad, and, and I can't speak on behalf of the company because that's, that's not what I get a paycheck for doing anymore. But if I was Bayer – I would think about spinning off my agriculture arm early next year. Okay, another question I've been meaning to ask you. And this, someone asked me, actually I had a couple people ask me this, and they were unaware that this was the case. There's been some controversy in Creevecore about developers coming in to redevelop the Monsanto campus. That's exactly right. Is there nobody there anymore? Is it empty? 
No, so Bayer, there are people there. So as of today, <clears throat> for folks who don't know, right where in St. Louis, right where Lindbergh meets Ala Boulevard, the entire southern part of that was owned for decades by Monsanto. And there were two campuses. There was one campus on the, on the east of Lindbergh and one on the west of Lindbergh. Today, Bayer inhabits the side that's on the east side of Lindbergh. So that, at that quadrant, it would be the southeast quadrant. Bayer has sold off the part of the campus that's the campus that is across from Lindbergh on the west side. Now, today, Bayer has people on, on, on their current campus. Whether that will be the case in a year, I can't speak to that. Okay, so, so but, and I, I'm a little confused. Which side, so they, the, the east side of the campus, uh, east side of Lindbergh is where they're going to they're gonna keep and they're going to sell off the west side? The west side has already been sold, yeah. But so that, the debate now is that folks who live in that neighborhood have had Monsanto, which are, have been beautiful, which were beautiful neighbors because nobody's there on Saturday and Sunday. Right, right, right. And the campus was immaculate and there's woods and it's just gorgeous. And now developers want to, you know, make that a huge development and neighbors are like, oh no, we bought a house and enjoyed the serenity of a Monsanto campus. You are not putting a development in here. So uh, are they are they talking about like knocking all the buildings down? Is that what they're going to do? Yeah, they- I believe that that's so I haven't I haven't kept abreast of those proposals. Um, what would be really interesting and I have no knowledge of this, but what would be really interesting is if Bears beautiful Chesterfield campus, um, which has a whole lot of room, if employees were eventually moved away from Creve Corps and keep everybody at the Chesterfield campus. Bayer, which needs cash as, as much as any other company, would get a pretty penny for that Creve Core campus. So I have no knowledge of anything that might go on. But um, if I was Bayer, I would probably look to sell a very valuable real estate asset. So, and, and that's, that's a lot of acreage there. That campus is very, very large. It's huge and it's pristine, Brad. Like, like there's woods, there's wildlife. I used to escape work. The statute of limitations has run out on this. I used to escape work and walk the wildlife trail. It's just gorgeous. Well, you know, can, can I tell you a weird story uh, about that area, which I always found was yeah. sort of funny? Okay. If you've ever had to go, and, and I've done it before, and looks like maybe probably the next couple months I'll do it again. If you ever have to go before a planning and zoning committee – to get something zoned for you to do something, it can be holy hell. Um, and here's the interesting story. I don't know if it's still there or not. If you're going south in Lindbergh uh, and you cross on, under Olive and you go by for a while, you go by the Bear Campus, mm-hmm. well, Monsanto, Bear Campus, whatever you call it. A little bit further down, there used to be a restaurant. And a long time ago, it was a very high-end restaurant called Wade's Gathering Place. And it was very uh, a ritzy kind of place. And then it turned into Casey Masterpiece Barbecue. Yes, I've okay. eaten there. Okay. Yep. Do you know the story about when then, when they, when when the people who own, and if you know the whole story, this was sort of interesting. I think Casey Masterpiece has sort of disappeared. Casey Masterpiece was a barbecue sauce that was done by a doctor in Kansas City. Yep, And that's it right. got to be a huge product line, even to the point where he licensed the name to Lay's Potato Chips. And it used to be when you got the barbecue potato chips, they weren't barbecue. They were Casey Masterpiece barbecue. It was Rich Davis. That was the CEO. It's exactly, right. And to the point where at one point in time, he got to be so prominent. I think when when one of the Bushes when his, was in office, he actually went to the White House and barbecue. Yeah, he was a prominent Republican donor. Right, 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 right. I went to his events in Kansas City. When they were proposing to take that restaurant and switch it from Wade's Gathering Place 
to Casey Masterpiece, the neighbors were up in arms. Do you know why? Why? They didn't want to smell barbecue. Oh. <laughs> so this is a true story. I'm not making this up because I remember this really well. There was a huge fight over this. So how the the Creve Corps, I think it was the Creve Corps planning and zoning, their aldermen or whatever, decided they chartered a bus to drive to Kansas City to drive around in the neighborhoods around the Casey Masterpiece restaurant in Kansas City and to get out of the bus and smell. <laughs> wow. So the, the alder woman, alder men, all the city officials jumped in a bus, chartered a bus to Kansas City, you know, walked around the restaurant, drove through the neighborhood, and, oh, oh you know, how dare it smell. I'm thinking to myself, I would love to live next to a barbecue restaurant. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, of all the places you could live next to. And I'm going like, Oh, man. And finally, I, there was all sorts of, you know, controversy and stuff like that. And finally, they approved it. And I'm thinking to myself, once again, I mean, I, it drives me nuts that, that like, for example, I had um, Mike Swearingen, who is a, uh, who is a um, um, uh, real estate guy. I had him on the, on the, the station. Matter of fact, you can still hear it if you listen to Podcaster when we're yep. off the air. Um, you can still hear the interview. Interesting guy. Used to be in the radio business, was in Christian radio for a long time, and then he worked for his father. His father ran a manufacturing company, a machining, machining company, and then when his father passed away, he went into the real estate business. And he talks about all the crazy things with real estate. Now, he told me something I've never heard before that he, I don't know if he still is, but I think he's on the, Fort Zumwalt, either the Fort Zumwalt or the Wentzville School Board. And he talked about the fact that people would show up at the school, at the, at the board meetings, complaining about the buses, you know, when the buses were idling in the parking lot, that the diesel smell would come into the mm-hmm. neighborhood. They would complain about the bells that, you know, that go off between classes. <laughs> That's terrific. And, and, that, and that there was a, and, and he talked about that the, that the, the it, like the, they would, People would complain if the lights on the football fields were on too late. If the game ran long on Friday night, people would complain because the lights were in their windows. And I'm yeah. going, like, oh my god! You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I'm the kind of guy that if I had my druthers, I would live in a warehouse in an industrial area. You know, and part of the reason for that is what you just said is like with the Monsanto campus on the weekends. There's nobody around. There's got, nobody you there. You got the place yeah, to yourself. It's just a you wonderful know? area. And and we have a friend of ours. I think he wouldn't mind if we mentioned his name, and he's he's probably listening right now. John Lamping, who now lives in Augusta, so he's in our listening area, and I know he listens. So John used to live near the Monsanto campus, and John's told me that he used to love on the weekends. He'd walk around with his kids, and you know, there's a park right there, Stacy Park. It's just a beautiful area, and, and talk about. A, a company that was additive to the community. Well, yeah, and 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 even to the point where where it's sort of the same situation that maybe to a different degree, but you go down in South City with Anheuser Busch. I mean, yeah. back in the day, there was you know that whole neighborhood was very vibrant because all the office people would you know go out for lunch and things like that. Not anymore, you know. I yeah. mean, it's sort of what's happened to Clayton. It's very sad to me what's happened to Clayton. My very first job in the radio business was in Clayton. If you go into Clayton right now. The, to me, the charm of Clayton was you had a, a you know a 25-story office building, and right next door you had a little two-story uh, place where there was a guy who ran a restaurant on the first floor, and yeah. there was an apartment on the second floor. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's all pretty much gone. And all Clayton has turned into is high-rise condos and high-rise apartments and, you know, la-di-da kind of stuff. And the, the problem that Clayton has is that they, they, they 
uh, at least the restaurants and things like that, would you know get so much business from the office workers at lunchtime and dinner time yep. and stuff like that? Well, then when the COVID thing hit, business went in the toilet. Did, yeah. did I ever tell you the Capitol Grill story? No, I don't know that story. You ever I've been, been there? You've been, so we're talking a high-end restaurant, okay? Which used to be that used to be Jay Buck. Exactly, right? right there. Okay. Okay. Yep. When when the COVID thing was at its peak and everybody was shut down, and I would tell you this because I do listen to other radio stations. Dave Glover in ninety-seven-one knew the guy who ran the Capitol Grill. Every once in a while, he would say, okay, tonight's your night, people. Capitol Grill's got their special on. And the deal was, for $15, I still remember this, for 15 bucks, you got their top-of-the-line steak, french fries, and a soda, but you couldn't come in the restaurant. You had to, you called the restaurant, and you would, you know, and you would pay for it with a credit card over the phone, and you would tell them what kind of car you were going to be in. They'd say, okay, it nice, should be ready at yeah. 7.20. So you'd pull up there on, I guess it would be Carondelet, because they're on the corner of, um, I believe it's Carondelet. Yeah, Carondelet and... and, and, um, and Maryland, Maryland. Right? Or no, they're on the Carondelet and Hanley. They're right in the corner. Hanley, right that's right, Hanley. yeah. Right. And you'd pull up, and out would come a guy with a bag, and a big bag, and it had plastic foam containers, and, you know, they had salt and pepper in there and mm. steak sauce and stuff like that and plastic silverware and stuff like that. And it was 15 bucks. I would give the guy 20. I keep the change. And what a deal. I would pull around the corner and and I would sometimes, matter of fact, one night I was driving my truck uh, that I don't have anymore, which I had back, but I'm driving my truck and, I, you know, a tailgate and... I, there was a bank building there that the you know the drive through was closed and I'd pull and it was raining and I pull underneath the drive through and I had a little folding chair with me I sat in the bank drive through eating dinner off my tailgate of my pickup truck for 15 bucks beautiful and the steak was like incredible I mean so what you're saying Brad is that you're lobbying for another disease to no, escape from the Wuhan no, lab I, I you know as a business person I felt so sorry for those people. And, yeah. you know, like, and here's, here's another one. Another local company. I try to do business as much as I can with local people. I try to talk the talk and walk the walk. Uh, are you familiar with the, with the um, um, God, but my mom's just gone. Something's wrong with me, John. I can't remember crap anymore. Uh, the, the shark it's place. It's K-R-A-P. Yeah, it's the, called it K-R-A-P, Brad. The, the, the shark place. Uh, the restaurant that has... Oh, Cyberg? Cyberg, Cyberg. Yeah. Okay, same deal on that. Okay, Cyberg's had a deal where their location out in Chesterville Valley, they had a deal where they did not close. They did not close during the pandemic. And it got to the point where it's the exact same thing. You'd phone in your order. had to be a phone-in order. You'd phone in your order, and then you go sit in the parking lot. And, the you know, when it was time, you know, the, they bring it out, you know, they say, what kind of car? You, you know, and I used to go there, I used to go there probably once a week during the peak of the, the, of the, of the uh, COVID thing. And the guy who was the manager there, him and I got to be friends because of the fact that some nights it was like me and one other guy in the parking lot. And yeah, that was it. I and, believe it. And nobody was calling and stuff like that. And I said to him, I said, how are you doing this? He says, it's me and two other people. He says, we've laid off the entire staff. He says, the only two people wow. are working is the lady, who, the lady who, is the, who is the receptionist. She's the one who, who, who takes the phone calls. She's the one who takes the orders. Then she takes it back to the kitchen. We've got one cook in the kitchen. And he says, and I'm the overflow guy because sometimes we do get like, a, you know, two or three phone calls at the same time. He says, I'm the guy who's working the other phones, you know, when she can't handle the calls. And I'm also the guy that when we get a little bit busy, I'm back in the kitchen helping him, helping, you know, helping the, the chef get the stuff done. I go, so you run this whole place with three people? And he goes, yeah. He says, our owners 
the uh, the Cybergs family, and they're locally owned, still owned, it's locally owned, decided that we were not going to completely shut down, and we had to sort of jump through the hoops, you know, with the city of Chesterfield because you can't come inside, and yeah, you keep, all that, whatever, you can't all that get out of your can't get out of your car, you know, you have to sit in the parking lot, and yada 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 yada, and I'm going like, well, you got to be losing money because I said you're not making money with me with a hamburger and French fries and and a soda with some other guy next to me who's who's you know chomping down on barbecue. I mean, you're not. He says no. He says we're losing money. He says, but we've decided we're really going to try to do what we can to keep things moving forward. And for those people who really want to come out and eat dinner, we're still here. Yeah. And I don't know the logistics of I know we're close to the end of time. I don't know the logistics of how the PPP loans went. But wasn't there an incentive? I mean, if you showed that you actually did have employees and you kept the business open, he probably ended up getting a PPP loan, right? Well, the deal right now is the thing everybody's on to is this. If you hear this all, all over radio, there's a thing where, where if you had – I think it's five or more employees and you kept them on through the, you get like, you can get up to like $26,000 per employee. But, yeah, I but, believe it. But you know, the whole thing is you look back at that now and I'm sorry. The whole thing is just, you know, do we, do we still believe Dr. Fauci? <laughs> do, you know, do we believe that dude yeah. or what? I mean, I mean, to me, I'm going like, you know, it's, it reminds me of a real estate story, which I don't have time to tell, but there's interesting story behind that, 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 once upon a time, I had a guy who, um, well, remind me, I'll tell the story tomorrow. We'll tell the story on tomorrow's episode. Yeah, which, which I thought was sort of interesting, because that's what it sort of reminded me with the Fauci thing. Okay, we have to get out of here. Um, and Armstrong and Getty are next. They are from 8 to noon. Uh, don't forget about uh, Eric Erickson between noon and 3, and then Mark Lee Van Camp and Robinson are on from 3 to 7, and that's our schedule seven days a week, although we don't have... We don't have Armstrong and Getty in the morning, but that's a whole other story. It's not my fault. It's the computer's fault, but that's a whole other story. John, one more plug for your business. Well, you can go to johncombest.com. I, I would call it a hobby rather than a business, and you can look for my book on Amazon. Just search my name. It's 8 o'clock.